Hi, I'm Patrick Pong, CEO and founder of Favro, and this is the Learn From Leaders podcast. The background to this show is that Favro customers are some of the most innovative companies in the world. Enterprises wanting to be more agile, software as a service companies scaling fast, and game developers and publishers wanting to master live ops. So we get to know some truly inspiring leaders in product development, marketing, operations, sales, executive management. And what we do here is that we interview them about leadership so we can all learn from them. Let's go. And we are live with uh, uh, Jenny from Game Boost. Hey, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, I'm looking forward to this uh, because we're going to talk about um, you know talent um, in the in the game market, and um, you know there's there's a lot of stuff going on there uh, right now. So let's uh, we're going to talk about everything happening now, um, you know, changes with talent in the game market, and and I'm looking forward to hearing your views also in the future. But um, you know, for the ones who don't uh, you know know you already, um, why don't we just start a little bit with your um, you know, basically your origin story. You know, how did you how did you get to you know what you're doing today, and you know maybe also say a little bit about Game Boost. Yeah, cool. Uh, I'm trying to keep it short. I uh, not a gamer. That is uh, still at my weak point where I become more a gamer now. But I started as a producer at Paradox up in northern Sweden, where I live. Uh, got lucky, I guess. They needed someone, and I was working in IT as a product manager so I got a job. Uh, did that for a few years and then I got the opportunity to take over and run that studio as a studio manager and that was uh, well a dream job working in games great but also where I first uh, got to see how hard it can be to recruit in games and to find the right people on, on the right time. Uh, so that is basically why I then started games to try to help other people uh, release some of that stress that comes from not being able to find the people that you need to deliver the milestones on time. And GameBoost is basically a uh, consultant company. So we find studios who need talent and we match them with developers who need contract work. Uh, awesome, and you know there was one thing you you know you said there that uh, you know made me think a little bit about the the kind of cycle of you know talent in production. You know, you know we've both been in the industry for for quite a while, and you know looking at you know you know AAA productions, um, you know going going with you know back in time, you know very often it was a very you know you know steep or or let's say peaky curve, you know kind of like you know how ramping up people, you know when moving you know later into production and and then those people aren't need anymore but then of course if you have a studio where you know you have several products going on you know there might be some overlap so then you you know you could basically you know keep keep your talent um and and you kind of have that whole cycle you know to deal with um is it still very much like that in the industry or or is it a little bit more let's say even now with with live services i think it's uh still like that in a lot of places. I mean, I also tried that thing with having parallel projects to, to move people in between. Uh, it looked like a great solution, but then you find out that there are so many changes and pivots. So when you made this perfect plan for when people were going to transition, it never actually 
worked out. But I think a lot of studios, especially the bigger ones, are still somewhat trying to do that. But I'm also seeing a lot of new generation studios uh, that come from the bigger ones and started their own smaller studios. And I see a lot of people now building a really strong core team and then doing the scaling with externals. So it's a bit of both nowadays, I would say. And and yeah, I I I I totally agree with you. I definitely seen you know that that trend as well. You know what, in your opinion, what is it that's stopping um, you know the the bigger uh, the bigger studios, you know, the ones that's been around for a long time, to 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 not go in you know into that model more aggressively than than they are? Is it, is it just tradition, so to say, or or is it something else? I think it is tradition. Like when I started in games, like ten years ago. I heard a lot like, no, that's not how we do it. We need to have someone in-house because we need to be loyal and they need to be passionate about our games. We need to keep all the knowledge in-house. And I think some of that still lives on. So that's part of it. Uh, but also it's quite hard. Like I had problems finding contractors too. And now I see more people like me popping up, but the studios aren't really ready. I don't think I work with any studio that has a clear setup and process for how to work uh, with externals or actually include that in their staffing planning from the get-go. So I think it's habit and maybe a little bit of knowledge on how to do it. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, now with more, let's say hybrid organizations, you know, um, coming out of COVID and, and, you know, more organizations are, are used to this, uh, is that something, uh, that you see are, let's say helping with this, um, or, or is it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It does matter. Uh, I mean, COVID kickstarted the whole remote work and some studios are staying in it and some studios are now uh, going back to it. But I think it also showed people that we can work remote and it works. And, you know, that means we can also have externals joining our teams remotely. So, so they are now a little bit more prepared, both technically, because now we have the setup since COVID, but also mentally that it, that it did work. Okay, so if I interpret you right, um, you know the the, the the fact that um, you know with with their employees, the studios are working are more comfortable now, um, comfortable and confident, having you know people on the team, you know, working uh, fully or partly remote. That makes the leap um, to kind of extending the team with contractors uh, that are remote smaller. Is is, is that a correct yeah, way to put it? I would it? say so. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and, um, you know, you, you were telling, um, you know, you know, why you started, you know, game boost, but can you, you kind of been hinting a little bit at your services here. I, I do want to give you a chance to kind of just, you know, when, when you, when, when you pitch your services, how, how do you, how do you typically, you know, put this forward? Well, I guess we are the people you call if you need someone on your team fast. It can be an individual embedded, a programmer, artist, designer, or whatever you need, or if you need a full team to 
handle the porting or prototype DLC. So I guess we are a staffing company for the games industry. And and when you say that, is it is it only contractors, or do you also do uh, recruitment of you know full time employees? Uh, we don't do recruitment. Sadly, we get that uh, request a lot, but but for now we're sure. only doing contractors, and we also only focus on remote. Yeah, and um, um, why? Well, why why did you say sadly? Well, I don't know because I'm. <laughs> I, we are a support company, so you want to give support, right? So when people go, can you also do this? You want to go, yes, of course we can do that. But while we're not doing it, it would take uh, too much time, I think, now for us to diversify that much. And, uh, yeah, the, the contracting setup works uh, well for us. Yeah. Well, you know, focus is important. You know, you know I mean, we're both entrepreneurs here. Yeah. And and focus is key, and you know, taking the things you were saying about you know the market, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and you know, I have to ask you one more thing on this, and and you know, we're kind of segueing into the topic of today in very very. This is probably in one of the most natural ways ever on this podcast. You know, transitioning from background story to the topic. Um, so the question I want to ask, I mean, if we look at this from the other point of view, um, you know, uh, the the talent, um, you know, I. Um, you know, I, I can imagine that there's also an increasing amount of people that, you know, for for life reasons, wants to work uh, from from a, you know maybe not you know pack the bag and move to to Stockholm or where whatever you know the studio is, but but actually want to work from a totally different place. And and with these things happening now, and and with someone you know like you that can help, you know, having the studio getting in contact with the right right contractor can can actually have you know, the life, you know, wherever they want. Um, is, 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 that, is that also, you know, an increasing, you know, trend that you've seen as well, which is kind of like, you know, fueling this from the other side? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I started out saying that I wanted to support uh, the indie dream. So meaning that we do work with a lot of smaller studios that for some reason need to rent their staff out to survive financially. So, so they, of course, are very happy that we exist. I can provide them gigs. But now I also say that we support the lifestyle dream because we have a lot, like you say, a lot of freelancers. Uh, for example, we have one guy who is super happy uh, with this setup because he wants to work from the French mountains. Uh, he lives up there in some barn setup and he still wants to work with games. So for him, this is perfect. So yeah, I think that a lot of people don't want to go back to on-site uh, uh, working. They want to do remote. They want to travel, maybe, and, and they they really like this kind of setup. Cool. Can um, can we go a little bit um, you know deeper on this? You know what what does it what does it typically look like? Because if we, I think you know both people you know listening to this on uh, you know both the the, the 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 say the team member contractor side and you know the say that that studio head or or producer you know who who maybe haven't done this many times before and now is, is actually making that plan that we talked about you know I, um you know you just so we can um get expectations right a little bit here because i also get this a bit of a spectrum you know the the person you mentioned with um in the in the mountains there in france that sounds fantastic um and and uh 
what for for a person like that? So, uh, I mean, in this particular case, is, is that an artist or a coder, or c- can you share? In that case, it is a uh, coder. Mm-hmm. We do work with artists as well, and I mean, it's it's super easy. Like we we have a web page where they can find their open positions. They can apply for that, or they can just connect with us. And once we find something that fits them. We will reach out and say, hey, here's this opportunity. Uh, do you want us to put you forward? We do. And then they enter the process of the studio, uh, which is can be different. It can be work cases or interviews. They get the job and they basically start working from wherever they are. And they just invoice Gamebus monthly and, you know, be happy in their mountain or on their beach or in a wherever city of their choice i guess and um you know just to just to continue on that then um is the expectation typically that from time to time you know they will travel uh to the studio and be part of some kind of internal workshops meetings on sites or off sites or is it like 100% uh, remote typically they basically never meet face to face or you know mm-hmm. h- how does this typically look yeah that differs I would say personally that I think the best setup is when you meet sometimes, but that is obviously up to uh, the studio and this contractor. Uh, so sometimes the studios want them to come in, maybe for an onboarding, maybe for a, some studios, remote studios have quarterly uh, meetups that they invite other contractors to join, uh, but it's completely up to the studios. And I would say it's the, Maybe 50-50, uh, the ones who want them to come in sometimes and the ones that are completely remote and you, you never need to go to the other. All right, cool. So then, you know, going a little bit more, um, you know, generally into to everything happening now. I mean, um, there was, um, you know, there's been quite a few announcements, um, not only uh, recently, but, you know, basically throughout the whole uh, the whole year. Uh, with uh, with pretty substantial uh, layoffs. I mean, not only in in the game industry, but in, in you know in tech in general. Um, but if we stick to the game industry, uh, of course, there's a little bit of overlap with talent. But but um, how um, um, if we maybe start start in the end, you know, you, you know, your perspective on um, you know why this is happening it might sound like a stupid question, so I'm just going to elaborate a little bit on it. Um, you know, you know, how much of it is, you know, you know, again, you know, I'm, I'm not asking about like hard data here. Just, just a little bit more kind of like, you know, your, your feel for it, because, you know, there's plenty of data out there. I want to get more, you know, the, the, the sense from the trenches, you know, so to say, um, you know, a little bit more anecdotal, you know, is it simply, you know, studios going under simply this, this product's canceled, this, this, there's no money and, and, and how much of it is that, uh, especially bigger companies taking advantage of the fact that this is something which is happening right now. So they, they take that opportunity to, to basically, you know, cut costs to, to, you know, boost profitability. Um, you know, so, so, you know, just if you could share a little bit like, you know, your, your read on, on, on the dynamics right now. Yeah. And I think first of all, we need to remember that we, we work in the hit driven business like now. Yes. It's more, I think than normally but but this happens a lot like you get funded you make your project it works great if it doesn't 
we let a lot of people go. So it's not, you know, something new here. But I think it's a little bit of everything. Like you said, sure, there are probably some companies thinking, wow, this is a great timing to, <laughs> to get rid of some people, as bad as that sounds. Uh, but I think most people are genuinely sad when they have to let their people go. Um, and sometimes I also get the feeling we see the layoffs and when I contact the people, they have sort of been redirected to some other part of the company or, um, so those, those are good cases. Obviously a lot of people don't get that lucky. Um, and I think also what we're seeing now is a little bit of the hangover from the uh, COVID hybrids that we saw happening because obviously during COVID, a lot of people were at home playing games. So we sold a lot of games and I think some people just thought, wow, this is the new normal now. Like this is our business case now. And everyone wanted to grow and everyone just recruited like crazy. And then now we're back to some more normal numbers maybe. And uh, you, know, you cannot support that big of a production anymore. So I think it's a bit of a mix of business as usual, this being hit driven industry, the, the COVID hangover, and some people taking or companies taking advantage of the climate to do some cleaning. You know, thanks. I, I you know, I, I really appreciate your your point there around that. You know, this this is kind of normal in in the game industry. I think you know, probably it's a more of a you know a bigger uh, shift in in some parts of the the, the tech industry where it's just been like up, up, up. And and yeah, but, uh, but I also think because we're probably getting a lot of information now because of social media. Like every layoff that is happening, we all see it. We all read about it. So it's in our face much more than maybe it has been previous years. That's a good point. Um, so if I can ask you a follow-up question on that. So if I, if I have my, my kind of you know, high-level you know, numbers right, um, you know, we, we did see a decrease of, of the game industry in, in 2022. Um, it seems like 2023 is going to end, um, not as high as 2021, but, you know, better than 2022 and projections for, for 2024 is that, you know, then, then, you know, we're, we have, we have, we're past, you know, the record year of 2021. So, you know, and then zooming out in even further, if we take more of say a 10, 10 year perspective or 20 year perspective, this, this industry is growing amazingly. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a dominant form of entertainment, you know, today in a way it's, it's never been before. So, so there's obviously a very, very strong, you know, meta trend, even if, you know, it, it's a bit uh, dynamic right now. And, and my question based upon that is, is the following, you know, you were mentioning that there's a little bit of like a hangover situation here. Um, and which I think is true. Uh, do you, do you think that there's also, let's say a bit of a lag, uh, so that, you know, not you know. If we look at basically, if these projections are correct, so 2024 will actually be a pretty good year 
from a revenue point of view for the industry that that, that again will will start becoming a you know an engine for uh, also for for uh, you know a lot of a lot of um, you know talent you know even more talent going into industry. I mean, basically, you know, since we'll, I guess my question is this: you know, if we're looking at um, the revenue numbers of the industry, the, the, the you know, there's been a little bit of a of a not a bump but a a dip, but it, it it is going up. And 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 do you project that you know when it comes to you know people employed in the game industry that will that will follow that curve you know upwards and but maybe there's a little bit of a lag um yeah i think so i think this is still a good industry for, for the people looking to get into it this will turn around maybe we're gonna see more contractors and external at least for a while because now people are a little bit scared i think to to uh, recruit not everyone but but i also think that we're gonna see this trend with bigger layoffs, uh, I think, is here to stay because as we grow our productions, like a game production now is much bigger than it used to be. It's longer, it's more people. So you get a big investment and you work for a long time and, you know, the same amount of games are probably going to fail as before, only now the teams are bigger. So when they fail, it's going to be more visual that they had to let go more people so i think those that trend is probably here to say that we're going to see that the bigger layoffs happening once in a while but but overall as a business i think i mean we're going to grow and we're going to employ a lot of people so if i interpret you right then you know your your prediction then is that the um, let's call it the mix the mix of uh em, you know em, employees uh versus uh uh, people on a contract in production, that mix is changing. So there will be a higher uh, degree of, of contractors and that will basically be the new norm. Am I interpreting you right there? Uh, that is what I'm seeing when I talk to these new studios. But of course, I'm a little bit biased here. Uh, but I, I feel that is where a lot of studios are are going currently, a lot of the new ones. Well, the new ones are the ones leading the way. So, I, I mean, I can I can speak from from, you know, favorite experience as well. That I mean, we have game customers that are both you know new you know venture backed studios uh, and also studios that have been been around. Well, studios and publishers, I should say, that's been around for a very long time. And and uh, if I look at the ones that's been around for a long time, I mean, at least the ones that we are working with. I mean, they're not optimizing for status quo. You know, they 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 do want to you know they they have there's some change going on and and uh, you know that is typically to become more you know like you know what the newer studios are doing not not the other way around so that that makes a lot of sense um i have a little bit have a bit of well let's say more of a detailed question for you on on this um that ties into both what you said now and something we talked about before um so see if i can formulate this clearly um you know, you mentioned before that, um, you know, that there's um, there's a there's a bit of a skill around being able to work with uh, with with contractors, you know, to be to be used to that. So, so obviously, there's going to be quite a bit of a difference between a studio who's been doing this many times. You know, they 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 have basically a playbook for how they do this. Um, they have people, you know, who 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 knows 
you know, that, that playbook, okay, you know, now we need to ramp up. This is how we do it. You know, with, with those externals, you know, they, they, they send you an email or pick up the phone or, or ping you on discord. And, um, um, and then you have students that, that don't, you know, they, they need to do this, <clears throat> you know, they need to learn this. Um, uh, one of the, one of the experiences that, that, uh, that I have from, from Pharaoh when it comes to externals is that, uh, oh, you know, often we, we, we come into conversations when, you know, they really want to, they want to achieve, uh, that the, the externals are, are, you know, feels like an extension of the team rather than kind of, you know, throwing things over the wall. And, and, you know, what I can see is that the difference in, in the, say, you know, productivity, um, efficiency is, is the difference is very big between a studio who's doing this well versus studios, you know, who, who's not, uh, you know, if you have a studio, you know, they, they get a, they get a, you get a, a team, you know, through a contractor, they're totally throwing things over the wall. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, cost plus time, you know, less quality It can actually be a very bad experience, you know, all the way to, you know, the ones, you know, I see where it, it's very hard to distinguish, you know, who's actually on a contract and who's an employee. It, it's just, it's pretty seamless. And it's it's a very let's say collaborative process. You know the, the management of this is, is done in a very collaborative way, and you know and, and so the difference in productivity is, is is massive. So so this is something I've I've seen you know firsthand, and that that leads me to to the you know quite detailed question here, which is, um, how how do you you know are you able to see some differences there between, um, you know students that are doing this expansion with a team with contractors by Basically, contracting, let's say, one team, you know, like you know, one company, one team. You know, you mentioned some indies where this can be a good way to to uh, you know get get you know bread on the table uh, versus a studio which is which is basically handpicking you know many you know individual contractors. Um, you know what, what I'm thinking here. You know, giving another second to think about this is that uh, I'm, I'm thinking that the the, the studio that are comfortable. With with actually handpicking, you know, many contractors, they're already in one way that's harder. So it means that they are probably leading into this much more, which means that that might actually make it easier for them to be successful because they they kind of forced to do it well. Versus, you know, it, it could be that you have an attitude that's like, well, we're just going to get that company, they'll take care of that, throw it over the wall, and maybe it's actually not so successful. So, you know, with with that whole you know context here, you know. <laughs> Uh, what, what, what do you think? Uh, it is, <laughs> it's the question if uh, if studios are good at at including their contractors or or what? Well, well, I mean, sorry, I should I should have been a little bit more clear. I, too much background. So basically, this. So I, I I'm guessing that you you see, um, I mean, you have one one case where where the studio are. Are relying more upon getting you know one or maybe two, you know larger teams, you know larger contractors. You know they basically employ a whole team, and that's how they solve solve this you know problem of, of having more talent. Um, and and then you have the other alternative where instead of getting like you know one big team, you know one one company, they are actually handpicking individual contractors or or, or smaller teams. Um, and and I guess there's a spectrum of everything in between. But if we take these two kind of scenarios. Uh, are are you seeing some difference that, I mean, my hypothesis here is that, you know, the ones that are handpicking, 
uh, you know, individual contractors, they might actually be doing better because it's, it's in, in a way it's harder. Uh, so, so that, that forces you to be, to be good at it. Um, um, yes and no, I think, I mean, there are the bigger studios. The thing is that they don't have the same person picking. Like there are very few of the big studios who has a, a, a function that handles contractors. It could be HR, which does it as part of recruitment. It could be uh, outsourcing, with, which does it, you know, on the side of, of doing a bigger outsourcing thing. Or it could be someone in the actual project, like a producer or a lead. And most of the cases, I would say it's still very much someone in the project. So that means that even if a bigger studio has a lot of contractors, they are normally spread out and it's not the same people who hires them so are they better prepared for contractors if they pick them themselves no not necessarily some are and some are not i wouldn't say it correlates uh, that much they're probably if they're used to working with contractors what normally happens is they have a shorter process getting them. If you're not used to it, then you try to go for your normal recruitment process with five interviews and a work case. I mean, that's not going to fly with contractors. It has to be more, more faster than that. So, so that might be the bigger uh, differentiators, but I don't think or we have been lucky because the times where we have been working with more on a team basis, the, the client studio always had someone, they embed someone in the external team then to, to help coordinate and, and stuff. So, um, but maybe we've been lucky in that way, but, but we do separate. We don't do uh, the traditional outsourcing. So we always say that we do embedded. And when we do teams, it's also somewhat embedded. Of course, they will then take ownership of what it is that they have to do but we require someone on the receiving end to be there for, for feedback and for questions. Um, because I agree yep. with what you said, when, when studios just you know, throw stuff over the wall, the results are often less good. So um, I'm, um, I'm going to be a, a suspect of saying what I'm saying now, you know, just to defend my own hypothesis. But it sounds like there's a little bit of like a success uh, bias, you know, that the ones that you are working with are the good ones, you know, so, so to say. And, and I, I'm going to use that as, a, as the basis for my next question, which is, um, what, would be, um, what would be your, your advice? So let, let's say that you have, you know, someone in... In, in some kind of producer role, so we, this is the team, and and you know, you know, you're going to to look at, um, you know, now getting you know more talent for for this production, and you you, you want to do it, so yeah, you know, maybe with your help, uh, but but you're not experienced, so you already there was one thing you already said. Well, we already, I already said two things, and the one thing you said, well, your process needs to maybe you know be shorter. You can't treat it exactly like your recruitment process. You know, we, we also talked about having a setup where it's not throwing over the wall. Uh, are there other tips, you know, that you would like to share now for what wants, you know, getting into this and, and not being so experienced? I mean, I mean, one is just let us help you. 
like we have done this a lot of times with a lot of different studios and, and I mean we are there for you we can help you with you know your ads we can help you with the, your process we can help you even with the onboarding like what normally works so, so that is one thing be open to listening to what works but I would say uh, one don't wait until stuff is burning with contacting us or people like us because we found that you know when you need a contractor it's normally cost up burning and you need them yesterday and the studios where we already established some sort of connection beforehand even if there isn't any need it's much faster than uh, to find someone so so build up your portfolio of suppliers i guess for externals before stuff burns uh, and also one of the biggest things, because when I started Game Boost, I went on a tour <laughs> where I asked a lot of studios, like, what is important to you in, in a contract? Like, what, what, what do I need to deliver? And the one thing that everyone mentioned is fast onboarding. Like, we need someone fast and they need to be able to, you know, hit the ground running and produce basically from day one. So the fast part I've got, I can give you someone within a week. The kick the ground running part, it needs to be a collaboration. Uh, so there it's also important that they are open to, to suggestions and, and to actually have an onboarding. Because if you want your contractors to be efficient from day one, I mean, you need to help them. They will probably ask and they will try to get information from you. But if you come prepared, you, I mean, say, for example, you have a programmer. It's not super common to, to sit down, let that person sit down with one of your QA, for example, and have a play session. But if it is a gameplay programmer, it's going to be much easier for them to understand the code if they understand the game and have, have played it with someone who knows the ins and outs of it. There are small tricks uh, along the way that we can help you with to make it more smooth. It sounds good. And last question, and uh, just from a geography point of view, um, uh, how do you work? I mean, where um, the customers you have is it is it worldwide? Is it is it only Nordic? Uh, only Europe? I mean, and 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 then of course also on the sourcing side, where do, where does the contractors come from? The customers we have are mainly Sweden for now. Right now, we are looking into growing into other markets as well, a bit more aggressively, uh, but, but mostly Sweden. And the contractors, they are across, mostly across Europe because most people want uh, people in the same time zone. Uh, but we do have people in in US and uh, Canada and uh, India and, and the contractors we get, we get people trying to us from all over. Uh, cool. Well, I, I I hope you do you do that uh, expansion and start working with, uh, uh, with with studios more more widely. I I, I heard I heard good things ab about you, and I I think um, I think that the, the trends that we've been talking about today are I think it's a, a good trends. I think it's good for the for the industry, um, and uh, so. You know, there's this. There are you know players who are, you know, making making that that um, that 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 happen, that success happen, and you know, you're you're one of them. So, 
um, I'm not, I'm not just asking you, I'm not just uh, wishing you uh, success, you know, from, from the perspective of wish, wishing success to, to fellow entrepreneur, but I, but I do also think that, that you're, you're, you're a, you know, you're, you're a force for, for something good in the industry. So, um, if you're successful, it's better for all of us. Thank you. Cool. And with that, you know, thank you so much. Uh, thanks to all of you uh, listening and, um, I'll see you in the next one. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you did, you know what to do. Share it in your social media so more people can take part and learn. And one more thing, check out Favro Academy on favro.com for many more learnings. Thanks for tuning in.